the competitive 40k network presents art of war art of war strategy and tactics discussions with the best players on the planet now your host nick nanavati and the art of war coaches Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Art of War podcast. Today, I'm bringing on a super special guest, Brent Simon. So if those of you who listen to Art of War Unbroken might already be familiar with the one and only Brent Simon. He actually got third place at the Kansas City Open Super Major last year uh, at Chicago, or in Kansas City, what am I saying? And now... He's taken, you know, the losses that he's had and he's learned from them, applied the unbroken Art of War methodology over here, and he won the Melee at Shiloh GT in Arkansas, which yours truly, actually, I won it last year. So awesome. Brent, nice to meet you. How are you doing here? Doing fantastic. And you? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. So we're, I'm super excited for this conversation. Not only do I get to talk to someone who's kind of learned from their losses and all that. You have a totally different approach to the game to me. I'm a very defensive player. You aggro it up. And we both play demons. Like you are a demon player who approaches it totally differently. And I think that's really awesome. I'm really curious to see kind of what your mindsets are. That's what we're going to be discussing in this episode. Your philosophy about the game. Get to know you a little bit. And kind of, kind of compare and contrast yours and my approach to the game. And then ultimately, we're going to talk about part two which is for subscribers only. You can subscribe on our AOW40K.com Patreon. Uh, it's five bucks a month or eight bucks get to this and Unbroken, which is awesome value town. Get both shows. So in part two, we're going to talk about Brent's list that he took to the Melee at Shiloh, which is Mono Zinch Demons. I'll give you a hit, a, a, a flipper right here. And went undefeated, won the whole thing. There was some stiff competition there. Bleak was there. Brad was there. You know, it was tough. And he took it. So we're going to unpack all of part, part two. How does it work? What secondaries does it take? Who is he playing against? The matchups. All the ins and outs about positioning those models on the table. I'm going to break it down. Brent, are you ready? Absolutely. Awesome. Why don't you tell me a little bit of a story about yourself? Paint me a picture. How did you get into competitive 40K? And then how did you go from who's Brent Simon to winning GTs, top topping super majors? Where did this come from? So, and I'm really dating myself here. Uh, 1997, I was a freshman in college and went and I was playing Magic at a local game store and saw all these cool things on the wall. Uh, this is six months after third edition came out and kind of started the standard 40k, uh, how it looks now. So I, I got into it then and, um, and I played relatively competitively as much as I could at the time back when they were doing uh, RTTs and uh, events like that. And then um, over the years, uh, World of Warcraft came out. Um, I I had a buddy get me into um, a game called War Machine that I, I got very competitive at. And my local 40k scene had kind of dried up. So we, we did that very heavily. And when that, uh, when that scene died, dried up, Locally, a few years back, I kind of bounced around trying to figure out where to go from, you know, I, I enjoy competitive miniatures gaming. So, you know, what am I going to play? I tried Marvel. Um, it ended up not being as competitive as I wanted at the high level or as balanced. And so I picked up 40K and decided to be competitive in that about uh, September, October of last year. Took them to a couple of local two-day GTs. Turns out demons are really good, and um, for the moment, decided to go to KC Open, where I did uh, very well, above my, even my expectations. I was very happy with my results, and then decided to just see how far I could go with it. Uh, came within 
probably so I, I looked at the numbers off LVO and if I had won my last game and gotten good tie breaks, I'm either first or second in demons uh, overall. Unfortunately, I lost by four to Wallace, which is nothing to be ashamed of. That man is fantastic. Yeah, seriously, you've had and, absolutely a good, amazing season out of nowhere. You know, like just you kind of picked up 40k after playing games. So I, I, you know, game skills are definitely transferable in that regard. Once you're kind of good at games, you're good at games, and then. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you just walked into KC Open, and you beat John Lennon in that event. Did you even know who he was? Oh, I absolutely did. Um, Blake is a good friend of mine. Uh, I, I knew who John was. Uh, I, I have a slight correction there. John's dice beat John that game. Oh, I don't want to take present. anything away from you. Uh, I, will, I will be up front and say this. When his, uh, he got no spells off turn two and did one mortal wound turn three. So... Uh, his dice were just the absolute worst I've ever seen of any any player. But it was a super fun game, and again, I uh, I have I enjoyed playing him and and talking to him about the game as a as a whole. Yeah. It, but yeah, I had I had a very very fine season. I I'm very happy with how I did. Nice. That's really awesome, and it's really good to see because you don't always see players uh, completely out of nowhere make those upsets against players that you expect would beat anybody who doesn't have like an already established, somewhat forty k career and some wins under their belt because of just simple, um, you know, name recognition or accolades. But you know, in forty k, it's a skill based game. Anything can happen if you know what you're doing. So that's that's really awesome right. to see, Brent. Um, I want to transition the conversation a little bit towards demons and the way you and i both approach this fascinating subject you love your chariots let's just start there when you played against john you had a bunch of chariots and all kinds of different shenanigans shapes and flavors i remember at the end of kc i was really excited to talk to you just on you know you're doing well with demons Mm -hmm. hey what's up and then you walked away from that conversation being like what about slanesh chariot secret spam it's amazing and i'm like what is (laughs) happening in your brains and like this is I, i don't i've never put a chariot besides like one burning chariot or a skull cannon or something in my list. I've never done like more than that. And here you are busting out six, nine, twelve, whatever. Well, <laughs> what what is this? What's going on here? So, uh, first of all, my my general game philosophy is if one of something is good, as many of them as you can take is better. Good old so, spam. <laughs> yeah, it's it's super fair and balanced. Uh, GW hasn't hated that for years. So, uh, and and I, I I need to segue into KC for a little bit because my uh, philosophy going to KC was. I wanted access to corn and Zinch Warp Storm charts, and uh, GW had came out with the FAQ and decided they didn't want Bellacor just unlocking those. So I took a uh, patrol of corn with Bellacor triple bloodletters because the bloodletter bomb uh, turn one and two off Bellacor is really good, and then uh, double skull cannons because those things are are just now starting to get the uh, appreciation they deserve. And then on the the uh, zinc side, I took every flamer I could, eighteen flamers, two burning chariots, and two fate skimmers. And the reason I'm pushing chariots so much, and and KC flamers were the um, best unit in the in the book. And right now, I'm firmly convinced burning chariots are the best unit in the book. Uh, they shift your points from assassinate to bring it down, or as, uh, from assassinate to bring it down. Uh, and they end up where you don't give up points. You have um, like 10 points for secondaries right. at so that time. Like if you divide your army list into mm-hmm. like some vehicles through the chariots, some infantry through your troops, and then like some flamers, and then some amount of characters, you're not overloading in any aspect, Correct. which is a really easy thing to do in demons. Then you give up no prisoners, you give up assassinate, whatever it might be. 
so I was giving up 84 uh, no prisoners plus the bonus, 10 bring it down, which required killing Bellacore, and 10 assassinate, which required killing Bellacore. Bellacore is substantially tougher to kill than most anything in the army. So the burning chariots, you have the same aura, you have the same uh, flight, you have more speed, you have melee attacks that statistically will kill like two Marines, which isn't great. Yeah, it's not nothing, though. But it's killing two Marines from, on average, 22 inches away in melee. That's very relevant. Uh, the number of times I've parked a chariot on top of a ruin in a, in a um, objective and then shot something and then charged. I was, I was charging five infiltrators last weekend, which is not, you know, I mean, they're still Marines, but I'll kill two. Now, do you want to fall back? Okay, fine. You don't get to do it. Well, Ultramarines still do, but in general, you don't get to do anything. And then in... Another local GT, um, I I would always hear, you can't beat Thousand Suns with Inch. And I just put two chariots into into Terminators. And I'll kill two Terminators on your turn, and you'll do four wounds back to me. And then on my turn, I'll kill a Terminator with guns. And then I'll kill two more in melee. And then all of a sudden, the Thousand Sun Terminator players are, are sitting there going, well, I don't have any guys left. I, I, I can't kill these burning chariots. Because every th- almost every melee unit that isn't like a dreadnought is wounding you on fives uh thousand suns or you know the strength five melee sounds real good or strength four uh lightning claws until you start trying to figure out well how do i hurt this thing uh nine wounds is above the curve for a lot of stuff and a four up save in combat just means you're you tank a lot more than you you really should so you use these Um, things to kind of annoy your opponent like mm-hmm. like they move the 14 they charge stuff the the chariot rider itself the guns they fire are kind of secondary to your usage of this thing and and the screamers are just instant like it's not no it's damage. just a total pack it's just a total package total i've got it i've got a gun that kills two marines on average i've got a flamer that on overwatch kills like six basic charging gene stealers for instance like some six dudes um, yeah and on top of all of that and I, I apologize, I don't have an oval base in front of me right now, but I think they're about five or six inches wide. You park one of those sideways between two ruins, and if it's not infantry, it can't get past it. So you, uh, I, I literally move blocked at, I missed a charge with Screamers, but if I had made that charge, both sides of my opponent's uh, Chaos Knight's army couldn't leave his deployment zone. So instead, only one side couldn't. Um, it's, it's just, it's a whole total package of, it, and it's weird to say they're the most valuable unit in the army while still throwing them away as fast as I do. But that's really like half their job. They just yeah. they go in and do things. I think a lot of players get lost in the in the Zinch gunline sauce where it's like mm-hmm. you, you take these three exalted flamers, you take three burning cherries, you park eighteen inches away from the enemy, plus one to hit, reroll once to hit, you blast them mm-hmm. and, and like that's fine, but I, I agree with you. It's the total package of the chariot that's value. Like you used to gunk something up and annoy somebody and Get a read out of your bells or whatever. Oh, absolutely. And on on top of all of that, um, I put a uh, a uh, burning chariot or a, I think it was a burning chariot at the time into uh, an uh, helverin or a uh, executioner style helverin with no melee. What do you do? You're street six and damage one off your feet. Just mm-hmm. just serve, just live with that. I'll shoot you. So these things are not unkillable via shooting. Yeah. Like you know, you go. Get shot, it's going to hurt against like real concentrated anti-tank. Do you make up for that by just having three of them? And then I've seen you take mm-hmm. way more cherries than that. So like, why do you go beyond that? Uh, so the burning chariots are there because I th- I personally feel that they are a better exalted. The fate skimmers are there 
range 14 or a speed 14 range 18 staff of change and reroll once for flamers also they have a built-in plus one to cast and that just that does a lot for me uh i will send fate skivers into melee i don't like it nearly as much because they're only a five up in melee but at the same time if i'm going into i mean if you look at the meta right now a lot of marines don't have a lot of marines have gone to primaris and primaris doesn't really have melee you like you, you think they do because you're you're used to playing marines, but then you go into something again like infiltrators or like inter or uh, shooty intercessors, and all of a sudden it, it's just a bunch of strength four attacks. Yeah, just and, just to walk through the profile of one of these chariots. I mean, defensively, it's toughness six, it's nine wounds. It's got the the burning chariots are four up invul from both shooting and combat, and the fate skimmer variation, which is more expensive, is a three up invul from shooting and a five up in combat. So it's mm-hmm. you know. Strength 4 and Strength 5 still wounds it on 5s, like you said. 9 wounds is just a lot of wounds, and 4 up or 5 up invuls, you're not just dying. And sometimes you get those 5 um, Warp Storm points, and all of a sudden, your Chariot heals for 3, and your opponent gets real sad. So here's where you're losing me, though. I, I can totally understand how this can be obnoxious in mm-hmm. by bumping into people and just harassing them, and over time, chip damage adds up. They're not obsec, and it's a ton of points you're pouring into not obsec. And when you take Bellicor, as because you're you like Bellicor, I mm-hmm. hate Bellicor, and then you take <laughs> like a bunch of chariots, you have no obsec, and you like are spent most of your points, and your damage is relatively not that high until you add the fifteen flamers, whatever. Um, where does it actually win the game? So in the, in um, Shiloh, obsec came up in two games. It came up in round three when I played against a Chaos Knights player and couldn't do spoilers one of his objectives because I couldn't I didn't have obsec and I couldn't kill the, the knight. And it came up in the finals uh, when I didn't max primary because he was able to contest a few points. Uh, that being said, and and this is uh, this is gonna be the hottest of hot takes. I, I don't think hot I can, takes. Yeah, I don't think I can afford obsec. Demon obsec for Zinch specifically is 150 points 130 points i i spent a while since i've looked at pink horse it's a lot of points for a unit that sits on one objective and keeps me from from losing that one objective which is which is fair but for 40 less points i can get a flux master and uh, which means i can i don't know what with the way demon codex is written it means i get one extra random flamer somewhere and i get some burning chariot upgrades or something. But uh, my philosophy lately has been my opponent can't contest my objectives if they're everything within 12 inches is dead. And <laughs> it's kind of been working. I get it. <laughs> it, it has been working. And this <laughs> this is where we're going to get into the meat of this discussion. This is why I want to talk to you, Brent. Like, your, your line's set at all. Your hot takes. I don't think I can afford obsec. So let me, let me mm-hmm. start with how I approach demons here. Because it's just mm-hmm. on a really high level. Because like you're throwing away what I would say is a really good game plan to try it a different way. And I think it's really interesting. Because demons have an amazing secondary called Reality or Bells. And I'm sure you take mm-hmm. it. And it means you can sit on your half of the table, not do a thing, and score a 10. Just fold two mm-hmm. quarters. Then you ally in, add in Warp Ritual, which is like at the worst plan you could come up with for achieving it realistically is take three heralds and boom, 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 into the center. That gets you a third reality rebels point for that turn. So now we're up to a 13, and your warp ritual's at 12. So we have 25 out of 30 secondary points without doing anything. 
Then we mm-hmm. raised two banners. We're at a 35 out of 45. And that's like not even attempting to play the game. So to hold the objectives, I should take some obsec. And we have like a lot of troops you know, of different kinds. Pink cars, durable for shooting, play bears, two wounds, transhuman, toughness five. We can hold the two objectives. And then all we have to do is contest their objectives like twice, maybe tear a banner mm-hmm. down, annoy them a little bit on their secondary game, barely even play with them. Just keep them from messing up our strategy. And if we can succeed with that, we should win the game. And your strategy by not taking OBSEC is like, I'm just going to go table them. And you see how they're very different? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yes. What led I, you there? I chose violence. That being said, um, what, let me add one caveat here. Uh, my response was completely based on a theoretical mono-zinch list. I, ha- I did not have the testing before Shiloh. I didn't have the, uh, so I was putting all my efforts into LVO. I know you're, you're, you're um, shocked. Same way, yeah. <laughs> my window post-LVO, pre-Shiloh was relatively small, so I went with what I knew. My one list I really want to test is a Disciples of Bellacore list with at least one unit of blood letters, maybe two. And at least two units of nerdlings, and and I think that that probably plays better into a lot of into a lot of uh, stuff. Having the access to the uh, advanced deploy obsec. That being said, for my play style for mono zinch, I just I can't fit in pink horrors, and I really want that warp storm table. I really really want that warp storm table. So. Um, I, yeah, get why you've got, I get why you've gone for Mono Zinch. Like, it's a nice counter meta pick, right? Three up intervals from shooting. Everybody is shooting today. And it's a really good meta pick right now. Uh, your top, what, five lists are all gun lines. Mm-hmm. And Mono Zinch, uh, I was t- telling this to someone the other day Mono Zinch is not the best gun line in the game, but it has a three up against the best gun lines in the game. Yeah. And it's also. Um, it's still got that passive secondary scoring plan, right? You still can raise yes. banners, psychic score, and, and read out of your bells. That's still there. Your primary game is a lot weaker, though. And like you said, you try to make up for by tabling your I, opponent. I never take banners. You never I'll, take banners? What is happening? I, I never take banners. And I think you can see this in uh, the War Games live stream against, possibly against Ward. I posi- so one of the benefits of taking Exalted Flamers is they have the infantry keyword, and the Flux Master has the infantry keyword, and I take the spoilers. And then if I if I go first into other gun lines, and they position out of line of sight and, and cautiously, and they do things like that, and they, they do the same things everyone else does, then on a three-middle objective scenario, which is a lot of them, I'll burn a I'll burn a command point to teleport two to teleport people, and I'll start despoilers on three objectives in the middle, and then I'll look at you and go go I guess um, get through my three up save guy who may be hiding behind line of sight blocking uh, terrain who's toughness five with five wounds, and I'll burn CPs to reroll, and then I'll just I'll start turn two eight to twelve uh, victory points off despoilers. So just if walk us through how despoilers work because it's one we we really never cover. This is one of the unsung gems of the of the Demon Codex, and everyone hates it, and everyone says it's terrible. You start an action with infantry, and then your next command phase, or the end of the game, um, you get four points for... Uh, you do it on an objective that's not in your deployment zone, and you get four points for every one you do. 
Uh, you also, they made a change in arcs where you, on a six up, you get a CP. And then if it's uh, got an icon on a five, you get a CP. I have never rolled for that. I, 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 and I probably likely never will. I'll, I'll just forget to, uh, there's two ways you can do this. You can put it on, uh, exalted flamers can teleport via Zinch strat. Cause they're a Zinch character. Flux master is just speed 12 flamers are just speed 12. So if you lay out your terrain and you and you deploy in or behind LOS blocking terrain, behind a wall, you probably can get to every single middle objective and start that turn one. Assuming no advanced deploy, blah, blah, blah. But assuming an, an empty board or abandoned sanctuaries, which is my favorite scenario, you can just you can just start that start a one on every on every objective. Yeah, that's that's super strong. Your other option is if you table your opponent turn three, you start at turn four and five on every objective on the board. If you table your opponent turn three. <laughs> yeah, that's the other <laughs> one. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the plan, um, and this sounds terrible, that's the plan against Eldar. Uh, I, I truly believe, having played both sides of the matchup, that Zinch Demons are the worst matchup for every flavor of Eldar. Yeah, I, I, I don't want, at least with... My craft worlds, and honestly, I could probably say it for most, I definitely don't want anything with a Zinch Demon army. That's one of the interesting things about them, really. They're very polarizing mm-hmm. in their matchups, right? Like, if you shoot as your primary means of damage, good luck. If you are vulnerable to the type of firepower or mortal wounds that they output, that's just really going to hurt. But if you're not, like, say, an orc army going first, like, that's terrifying. I don't want to get too deep in the matchups. That's really from what part two is about. But oh, no, that's fair. I mean, like philosophically, though, like you knew that going in, like combat mm-hmm. is surely a weakness for your style of army. Like, how do you make your peace with just having like a slew of very skewed matchups? So we go back to my love of burning chariots. Feel free to charge them. Uh, <laughs> a lot of combat stuff in the game. Uh, I just I use that to to leverage, um, and then. Some of it gets into uh, the design philosophy for how much I love um, Bellacore. And and if I can sidetrack there. Please do. We need to have this discussion. Like, why? Let me, just to play devil's advocate, I'm going to cut in here and just talk about why I dislike Bellacore. And then, then, you know, rip me apart and tell me why you like him. So he's he's 420 and not Mm -hmm. Blaze it, just just sadness 420. And he has six attacks. And he gets mm-hmm. degraded real bad. His like when he gets degraded, he feels it. And he's pretty tough, right? Minus one to hit from shooting, no rerolls to hit, minus one to wound for pinball. Like that is pretty tough against something. Because then sometimes he does just die. Like Emperor's Children ignore those hit mods, take enough blast masters to face it will hurt. Eldar, mm-hmm. swooping hawks. I've killed be- so many Bellicors with swooping hawks. He can't tell me otherwise. The rule six is to hit auto wound. Just ruins him. Have you seen the mm-hmm. guard codex? He's just mm-hmm. 420 points. I feel like you're paying for Shroud Step. Shroud Step's amazing with flamers. We all know this. It teleports the flamers out of combat. It's amazing. But 420 for Bellicor for that. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. Your turn. So let me tell you all the reasons I love Bellicor. And, and there are many and varied. He does things that literally I don't have access to in the demon book. Every every greater demon has a reroll ones bubble, I think, around them for to hit and and I get asked why I don't don't take the order change and why why do I take Bellacor for the extra seventy points Bellacor if you watch uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna plug War Games live stream again if you watch game uh, four and five of Shiloh uh, game four I deployed against Thousand Suns and I deployed Bellacor far enough back that they could advance in psychic or they can or they could move and shoot me but they couldn't do both I almost never put Bellacor in the line 
I uh, regularly put him like three inches from the backboard edge on uh, wide scenarios, the 10 up, third, uh, five foot wide. And then his job is not to engage in most matchups, turn one or two. His job is to put out his warlord trait buff, which again, no one wants to take that warlord trait. Uh, he can, and, and then he can teleport out flamers or screamers, and they get full rerolls when he's nowhere near them. Uh, that doesn't exist anywhere in the Codex. I don't have a fallback and shoot strategy anywhere in the Codex. So I have flamers that can now fall back and shoot. Uh, a flux master is speed 12, but he's infantry. I don't know why he's infantry. He's sitting on top of a screamer. Stratostep works on a flux master, who's now done warp ritual in the center of the board and now is no longer there. Mm-hmm. There there are times when you will face Terminators. Uh, I I can see from Cherokee Open that they're starting to become more popular. Or when you will face something that you just need to hit that Thousand Suns can't, or not, not Thousand Suns, that uh, uh, Zinch Demons can't um, break as easily. And into your night matchups, I will deploy Bellacor, whatever your move plus half distance for your melt is. I think it's in general, it's like 27 inches. I'll deploy him 27 and a half away from your Meltas. And then I'll just be like, go ahead, I guess. See what you can do with your with your executioners. If you're shooting Bellacor, it's triggering his other most important ability, which is at minus one to hit, minus one to wound, and one less damage into a, a lot of armies. They're going to focus fire him because he's big and scary and they know what he can do when he gets there. And, and six attacks will kill Dreadnoughts, Knights, what have you, when I need him to. But it won't kill Bellacor. They will focus. The number of times I've had an army focus fire Bellacor and then in their shooting phase and go, oh, well, he's at eight. I guess I profiled him. And it's like the, 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 the uh, Eldar thing. You'll, you can kill him with, uh, with Hawks. You probably won't do it turn one. And, and if, he can un, if he can do his stuff one turn, I feel in most of my games, I've come out so far ahead in the attrition matchup between soaking up an entire army's firepower for two turns, plus his warlord trait, his rerolls bubble, his shrouded step to put flamers into awkward spots. All of that combines into, I'm trading 400 points for you to not shoot the rest of my army for two turns and me to get an attrition lead. Yeah, I can see how he's like absolutely a distraction carnifex, and he kind of really yeah, works in that 100%. way. Hundred percent, because he he offers something very unique to your army, and that's all the teleportation stuff and, and shroud step, and that part that's, I can totally get behind. And that's I also you, why I don't have a war to change. Yeah, because uh, people ask why don't you have a war to change with him? Every in my experience, outside of the phase cap bloodthirster, every remaining greater demon is softer than Bellacor, and they'll just kill the other one instead. That's interesting. We had very different approaches because I run like three yeah. greater demons and no Bellicor, so we'll leave that out. <laughs> and that's fair. Yeah, but with your flamers and your your burning chariots and your fate skimmers, mm-hmm. and you're just flying at your opponent. You're doing damage. Mm-hmm. Have you have you ever considered? And I guess not so much for the event you want, but just like conceptually, just going full hog chariots, like all the different Slanesh chariots, as many profiles as you can, and just burying somebody in chariots and aggression like yes. that. Yes. Yes. Uh, you mentioned you had one trial last year. Do so you have an idea of what Midwest terrain looks like? Mm-hmm. And just let's for the audience. Why don't you like kind of give an idea of what it looks like? Um, smaller ruins, uh, mostly U's, sometimes enclosed U's where they start to curve in on the end. So the net result for this is obviously with the uh, ITC changes for charging, 
Uh, you can go through buildings even if they try to, to block you from landing. But you can't do that with chariots. So if I was going to something like a uh, GW open-style terrain, where the terrain is both bigger and smaller in some ways than you think it is, uh, I, I would feel far more comfortable with chariots because I knew I could I could get to the sides of those ruins and charge into them much easier. Uh, whereas in mid in the Midwest, I basically have to go around the entire building to, to make a successful charge at best. Do you, um, do you and, feel like a big problem with the chariots is the diminishing returns you kind of get from them? And by that, I mean like they, they can't all occupy the same spots on correct. the table. Their bases are enormous and they're easily move blocked. And then on um, top of that, just uh, their stat line reaches like a critical mass defensively. I can totally correct. see that. But like offensively, they don't hit hard. That's so many points and not much offense. It's, it's, not a, it's not a lot of hitting hard, but it's like 400 attacks that are strength four AP two damage to you. And at some point, the law of just rolling bucket, it's the orc rule, right? I rolled 80 attacks and it, it killed like four guys. I, I think if I did Slanesh, it would be uh, three character chariots, three uh, heavy chariots, three fast chariots, and then uh, demonettes would actually go into that one. Um, and then really, I think it needs a keeper or something to uh, for that, but uh, for that purpose. But uh, the unsung thing on the Slanesh chariots is off the top of my head, you basically have the minus one to hit baked in the uh, the yeah, minus one to hit. All three of them have that, mm-hmm. and that that goes a long way into a lot of the other shooting matchups. The other thing on Slanesh chariots is they're all four fours. And uh, in terms of saves, so you're going to tank again a lot more than anyone feels you have any right to. Yeah, which is there. There's a lot to be said for that. No, that that's very fair. And like you're you're playing the same point scoring approach. Yeah, you're just doing mm-hmm. it in a much more aggressive manner. In aggressive reality, rebels psychic rituals the same, and you just take your despoiled secondary. Mm-hmm. Instead of banners, and you're just overwhelming your opponent, trying to table them and calling it a day now, there. Now, when we talked at KC, I was more into the Slanesh chariots. Um, since then, there has been a substantial point drop on fiends, and fiends are great. that that will cause me to reevaluate what I enjoy in Slanesh. <laughs> fiends are really good. <laughs> um, yeah, fiends are really good. They're very pushed. Now, when you play these style armies, like Tons of chariots, mm-hmm. uh, maybe fiends. It's, it's in a way stat spam at your opponent. And Correct. You kind of started off with that, and you're like, when you see a thing that it's good, you take times three of it. And that's a very different approach to kind of my toolbox way, where it's like, I'll take a lot of one ofs or maybe two ofs just to open up points to have more variety of units instead of the same unit or same few types of unit as many times mm-hmm. as I can. Do you find that the redundancy gained? means that you don't have very specific jobs for tools. So you find yourself like overcommitting a resource because you don't have a cheaper trade element is a is a very easy example. Like if you need to move block, you can't use five little cheap dudes. You have to use a chariot. Like is that something that is a problem for this style of player or is there a way around it? Partly is is something you accept. But to your point on on five cheap dudes, I don't know if I have those in, in the in the book. Yeah, I, I guess, I mean, like, here's a great example. Three Nurglings, and I know you're playing Mono Zinch, yeah. and, you know, that has its very set limitations, but um, a three-man Flamer unit in Mono Zinch is something I often like to run because it can move 12 inches, raise a banner, super non-committal. It can do the They're your best spread. action monkeys in the book. Yeah, data scry, no problem. Uh, you, by going for chariots, you know, you're skipping the infantry keyword a lot. 
you're mm-hmm. really not trying to play that toolboxy approach to 40k. Do you find that that is a limiting playstyle in any way, or is it just your stats are so efficient that it kind of makes up through it? I, I personally feel the stats are that efficient because my other move blocker options would either be it, it would be reducing flamers in a unit to pick up uh, an obsec pink horrors or something, and then using that flamer unit to move blocker corral. But in general, I've just I've personally just been happier with just having more of that. I played Eldar off and on over the years, and their that play style is one of my favorites. That that fast jet bike style, and my Eldar just or my demons play the same way. It's everything moves twelve and everything shoots, and it's more of play style I've I've honed over the years is is what clicks for me. So I'm not saying it's the best. I'm saying it's it's the best fit for how I enjoy to play the game. I am in no way saying that everyone should go out and, and put. 16 to 18 flamers on the table <laughs> it's it's uh it's a mindset that's just over the years is, is how it's gelled for me i think that's super cool like especially when you tied it back to eldar because i also play eldar and we uh, take seemingly different approaches to eldar as well and i think mm-hmm. it, it's really cool to see and i like that you tied it into like this is what works for you because obviously it's not what works for me and we're both successful oh. at demons so it's just really cool to have such opposite I, approaches. Go for it. I had a friend literally look at me and goes, "I'm tired of playing your purple Eldar the other day," and I was just like, "You're uh, spot on." Like, <laughs> I, I I was playing uh, Halo Doom with all the tricks and all the guns, and then I played Demons with all the guns and a lot of the tricks. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And when I play my Eldar, I try to win the entire game from my table app. It's so interesting. Oh, so yeah. Um, it's really cool that we're we're kind of taking different approaches to the same conclusion here. Like I run Scarbrand because I need something super hard hitting that can go kill the Terminators. And in a way that's what Bellicor is affording you. And mm-hmm. we have the same secondary suite instead of defensive banners, you took aggressive despoiled. And I think when we get into part two and how you actually play the army, I think that'll become very apparent that that's totally fine. Do you find at all that there are, Problems that you can't just kill your way out of, like there's damage ceilings that your Zinch experiences, and maybe Bellicor with his wimpy six attacks really doesn't get it done either. Wimpy six D three plus three no invuln AP four attacks. Uh no, but in all seriousness, uh, <laughs> I'm thinking Deathwing is going to be a problem, and I think Deathwing is going to be a problem for a lot of demons, to be honest. Yeah, I, I actually I really like Sloppy Biopiper um, for armies like Deathwing, because especially in my defensive style where I'm obsec and standing mm-hmm. places, I do not want someone who's also obsec killing me off or just standing there myself. So having him taking off obsec from people, I think could be really useful. Have, have you considered for one CP, Bellacor knows all the Nurgle spells? Yeah, I have. But the problem <laughs> with the Nurgle spells is they're all sevens and eights. Like I'm not going to roll an eight on Bellacor as a strategy. I mean, I could. I mean, yeah. I... And, there, there's only so much hype I can give for Bellacor at some point. Yeah. Uh, don't don't look at this as a as a podcast where you're yeah. gonna convert me. <laughs> I don't think that's I didn't happen. think I would. <laughs> it is cool that you can play your Monozine's army and then he can go learn the, the Nurgle spells. That is cool. I will give you two fun things I didn't think about, um, but came up this weekend with Bellacor. What's that? He unlocks Paul of Despair, which can turn off auras. Apothecary, feel no pain is an aura. But also, it turned. It appears that the 
Imperial Knight, Chaos Knight explosion, since it's measured from the vehicle, is an aura. Ah, it doesn't sound right, but it might be. I mean, that's, that's I, it, the rule that's thing. Kind of, yeah. I, I kind of, I, I'm kind of the same spot you are. Like, I don't know if that's correct, but reading it appears. So mostly I just want to ask uh, my next night player who tries to auto blow up their, their big tank yeah. for 2d6 mortals. I'm like, do you think that's an aura? It's measured 2d6 from you. Yeah. Um, that, that's definitely one for the rules questions. There's definitely value to turning off auras and demons. Like I, I actually love Fate Weaver knowing all the spells. I usually run Fate mm-hmm. Weaver and uh, Treason is Zinch. Pick an enemy unit, and then it's not affected by aura abilities. It's just like your Tyranid gargoyles. Like did this to someone at LVL. I made their gargoyles not fearless because they weren't. That's and then they're poof. They're like leadership five, and then I'm demons. Yeah, I killed one. Okay, lose them all. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> like, it was awesome. I put one flamer, I like split-fired flamers, I put one flamer in the unit of gargoyles, killed them all between that and morale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so much fun. You said something earlier, way back mm-hmm. in the beginning, about your other list, and it was that you really wanted to get Corn Warp Storm and Zine's Warp Storm into your GW mm-hmm. Kansas list. And that makes sense, because they're both really strong Warp Storms, and back then it was easier. And now I see you playing Mono Zinch to still unlock the Zinch Warp Storm. Are you mm-hmm. like a... I need to play with my rules, mono zinch, mono slanesh, whatever I'm doing is mono kind of guy? Or do you think the yeah. opportunity cost of splitting, not splitting your army is actually worth it? For the, for the testing time I had going into Shiloh, I felt that uh, it would be easier to segue into, into mono zinch. I had done extensive uh, spreadsheets uh, on what damage looked like into common stat lines post flamer nerf. How are your flamers uh, these days? Not to derail the question, but like, do you find oh, they still hit just as hard as before? Are they like worse? No, no, they're thirty percent stronger against marines because uh, no armor of contempt. The, the the no armor of contempt change is insane for flamer output. Um, it was literally a thirty percent damage increase. You you lost Overwatch. That's the net result. Yeah. Your Overwatch is real bad unless you're in ruins or within three of an obstacle. Um, you're 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 just your Overwatch is terrible. But everything else, you're just blowing models off the board. And so I looked at that, and I was like, uh, I can try to do a mixed army and get that testing done. Or I can just throw all my Zinch stuff into a box and go for plus one to hit, which is uh, kind of... It, it shifted some of my other list-building designs to make sure I could get that plus one to hit in there. I actually currently value that higher than plus one to cast, and which is another hot take. But I think that's um, pretty. I mean, if you're going to run 18 flamers and burning chariots and exalted flamers, like, yeah, that's better than getting two spells off slightly better. You, you have effectively nine strength, nine AP four damage, three shots on twos and nine more on twos, rerolling ones. Like the exalted and, flamers are damage four, damage three, damage three. Okay. Sorry. Mm-hmm. That's all good. Uh, yeah. So, um, but you have, you have nine rerolling ones and not, uh, they're AP four. Ah, that's what it is. Um, you have you have nine that you don't get rerolls on because apparently Bellacor allowing rerolls for vehicles would be too strong or something, and then uh, nine you do, and it just it it just deletes every gravis in existence. Yeah, do you? I guess with this aggressive style of demons, you find you have to go get Lenisite because you're relatively short range, like mm-hmm. it's twelve inch range army, maybe eighteen for your longer range guns, um, and eighteen for your spells. So if you don't You're, connect effectively, and which is, you know, you do hit pretty hard, but if they have layers or like Lookout Sir or Rhinos, things like that to make it so you have to 
fire in multiple instances, or for whatever reason you don't connect properly, you're very vulnerable to getting countercharged mm-hmm. in the next turn, like your flamers and stuff. So how how problematic has that been for you? Um, less so than it appears looking at the the raw numbers. For one, I have a 24-inch threat range, and barring really unusual terrain, uh, I can probably I can if I can get an advance plus shoot into you, I'll trade. I'll, I'll initiate the peace trade. Um, I feel that flamers shooting into anything will get 150 points worth of value back or 125 points of value back, and then you'll kill the flamers with your counter, and we'll keep peace trading. But we'll keep peace trading on your side of the board. And if I can't get that advance and shoot angle or that teleport and shoot angle, I'll just pop deployers on an objective and let you come to me. Because if I can't get that angle, that means in all in most cases, you're too far away to get to me on your turn. Uh, obviously, there's some exceptions with things like Blood Angels and things like that. Um, but the other thing is, because I'm MSU, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't have a squad with nine strength nine shots i've got three squads with three so i'll shoot that rhino and then i'll shoot that rhino again and now if it's dead i'll shoot something else and i have 13 unit activations uh well 12 12 have guns bellicor doesn't so i've got 12 unit activations to do that shooting to to uh to uh, dig that out um and then i'll just like I, I talk a lot about how I prefer to play on my opponent's side of the board, but if he's not going to come to me enough to do that, to, he, if he's not going to come in the middle and expose himself enough to do that, again, I'll just pop the spoilers and and tap clock. Yeah, basically, you'll try you'll try to turn it into a control match with your mm-hmm. backup secondary suite. And if we if we go into a control match, the outside of Blood Angels, I can't think of a, a list off the top of my head that has the the twelve and fourteen inch move plus the charge. And could do it in such a way that I couldn't get an angle on them. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I feel that if if we're playing the waiting game in most of those matchups, if it's a a fast gun line, they're not going to want to hide because they're need they're going to need to get angles themselves. And so if it's a fast melee line, that comes into one of those situations where I just push burning chariots forward to soak charges, and then you'll be ideally in the middle of the, in the middle of where I am. You know, I'll put a I'll park a burning chariot on the center objective for reality rebels, and then ask you if you want to kill that that burning chariot or not. Because if you don't, he's going to move fourteen, kill two marines, and charge two more. Mm-hmm. I can see. Uh, it. I see. I, and, and, yeah. Go ahead. And I do have. I mean, at the end of the day, every gun in my army is assault. I have a thirty-two inch minimum threat range on burning chariots, twenty-four on flamers, and twenty-eight on exalted flamers plus d6 if i need to plus teleport if i need to it's it's not like a lot of people think oh it's it's range 12 or short range and i'm like what it is but on the flip side it's it's not it's it's 12 inch range kill everything within 12 a little hyperbole there and then get charged and die and then bellicor or burning chariot goes and kills whatever you send in and even with the overwatch changes if you can find those ruins you're hitting on well, I try to I try to have my uh, my guys I send out to die have Bellacor's rerolls. So when they eat when they Overwatch, they're getting fives with rerolls, which will kill a fair number of Marines, uh, Marine style line equivalents. I, and I pick Marines because let's be honest, they're forty percent of the U.S. meta. Yeah. If it's things if it's things like Votan on foot, it 
kills a bunch of Votan on foot. If it's things like Eldar, they're not going to be charging me anyway. Or if they are, I don't get to Overwatch. All right, Brett. So, I think we've I think we've talked about or talked around the list and talked about how you kind of come came up with it enough. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited to get to part two and fantastic. Really start talking about how it all works and how it comes together. Why don't you just walk me through top to bottom? We don't need to justify like why anything's there. That's what we're about to get to. But just read it off for our listeners what your list that you took to melee at Shiloh was, and then we'll close it out and bring us home to part two. Uh, I will, but I want to give one caveat on the front end. There has been a lot of internet discussion on whether or not my list is legal, and it involves a ask a TO question every time. Um, so it's Bellacore, fate, two Fate Skimmers, Fluxmaster, uh, three Flamer units, 655, three Exalted Flamers, three Burning Chariots with Blue Horse. The Fate Skimmers are fully loaded out. Uh, Fate Skimmer 1 has Gateway and hold two spells, or hold two Warp Storm points. Fate Skimmer 2 has Flames and Bolt of Change. Bellacor has Shrouded Step and Pall of Despair. The Flux Master, and this is the Ascatio part, has uh, Shrouded Step and Wreathed in Shades. Wreathed in Shades for a, a back Flamer unit. Um, UK events have been ruling that because of the passage in Noctic, if Bellacor is your Warlord, you can take Noctic spells on Psychers. If a US event rules you can't, um, that back Fluxmaster just gets hold to and boon of change and the other uh fate skimmer with the head hold to gets something else. Uh it it's one quality of life change in one hand, a different quality of life change in the other. I personally prefer redundant shrouded step, but if the TO rules otherwise, I go on with my life. Yeah, the list is still the list. You know, it's it's yeah. fifteen to eighteen flamers. How many flamers is it exactly? Sixteen total. Sixteen flamers. Three burning chariots. To uh, oh, uh, sorry, six screamers. I missed the oh, screamers. Six screamers. I love screamers. I'm so excited to see screamers here. I'm very. <laughs> I, I'm so really. That was such a little joy at the end of that. <laughs> Awesome, Brett. Well, we're going to get into part two. Uh, that's for subscribers only. Listeners, if this is where you're abandoning us, no problem. Thank you so much for staying with us this, this far. We'll see you next week. I do implore you to check out part two, though. That is available for patrons only on AOW40K.com. Your support means the world to us. It's how we keep producing the show. We are like 100 and almost 80 episodes in, and I love doing it for you. For patrons, we'll see you over in episode two. Thanks so much for coming on, Brett. Thanks so much for listening, listeners. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War Down Under and Art of War Unbroken on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com.